We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another week, another Wildcat victory, and another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Welcome in. I am John Kurtz, joined by former K-State wide receiver Aaron Lockett, and we will be talking and breaking down a 38-17 to K-State win over Nevada, heading into massive game this week in Stillwater as K-State takes on Oklahoma State with a pair of undefeated teams at 6 o'clock on ESPN+. And that 6 o'clock kickoff means you guys have plenty of time to enjoy the 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery. I know everybody gets annoyed with the 11 o'clock kickoffs. Last week was a little bit better with 1 o'clock, the old Bill Snyder special, but now you have all kinds of time all day uh, to get plenty lathered up with 360 Vodka. Guys, whatever cocktail you want to make with the 360 Vodka, they've got you covered. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, however it is that you want to consume it, you can do it at your tailgate, you can do it in front of the TV, wherever it is that you're going to be watching the game on Saturday if you're headed to Stillwater or not. Uh, definitely, definitely check out 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. They do a great job supporting all the podcasts here at KCSN. All right, so K-State wins 38-17, to and I think a lot of people would look at this and say, all right, well, it's Nevada. How impressive really is that? That's a pretty nice win. I mean, Nevada was a team that was right on the outside of the top 25. They have a guy who was mocked as the number one pick in the draft, Carson Strong, at quarterback uh, in the week leading up to the game, and, and K-State gave up. Really one big play to him, but that was about it. The offense controlled things on the ground, played two quarterbacks, but Will Howard looked much, much better than he did in his relief duties of Skylar Thompson against Southern Illinois. So uh, there's a lot to like, particularly about how K-State finished the game and outscoring uh, Nevada 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, excited that it was a home game. We needed the crowd to come through for us, but I think we're starting to learn who we can lean on um, offensively and defensively. And so obviously, uh, you know, congrats to Will Howard. He came out knowing that, you know, the chip was going to be on his shoulder, that he needed to play well. And he did exactly that. And so even though they did a little bit of rotating between the QBs, he's kept his composure um, early deep shot down the middle of the field uh, to Daniel. And so I thought that was important for us to kind of get the momentum going. But as you mentioned, Carson Strong is going to be in the NFL next year. He's going to be playing for somebody. And he's going to be making throws that people are going to say, wow, did you see that throw? And so then I think people will look back at what Kansas State did in Nevada and say, you know what? That was more impressive now that I realized who they were dealing with. People seem to kind of uh, wipe it under the rug right now. But he is definitely a good quarterback. Like you mentioned, the deep shot down the middle of the 50-yarder. 
that just shows you the arm strength that he has. And so I was really impressed by Kansas uh, State ability to play on Saturday. Yeah, and he, he did have a couple of the wild throws. There were a couple of those yeah. in some pretty tight <laughs> windows, but uh, for the most part, K-State contained him. And look, I, I do want to start with K-State's offense because the, the quarterback draws a lot of attention. You brought up that deep shot to Daniel Amaterbebe, the catch and run that he had at, at the beginning of the game. I believe it happened 16 seconds into the game, which is crazy and just unbelievable for the confidence of Will Howard. And it was fascinating listening to the development of that play or how all of the groundwork got laid for that. that that's the part of like, game within the game football stuff that can be really fascinating. That was something that Matter Bebe, Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn, and Chris Kleiman all told us had started during the week. So they put it in on Tuesday. They worked on it a little more on Wednesday, a little more on Thursday. They felt like that look was going to be there. When they got to the line of scrimmage, even then, Will had to check the route. So he changed the route for Matter Bebe and how he ran it, which clearly was the right call. So you know, you're, not, you're not only talking about a long, deep pass play that gets the crowd going, gets you on top after, you know, some bad vibes at the end of the Southern Illinois game. But it was also a play that Will can take some ownership of because he's the one that checked into it. Just to me, there was so much about that that could build up a young quarterback's confidence and, and be a really big deal. Kleiman called it like, next-level stuff with the check that he made. So you, you know that his head coach was pretty happy with what happened there. Yeah, obviously he's been listening to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on making audibles and doing your own thing, but that must be a quarterback thing. But you know what? For him, it's obviously film studies kicked in. We talked about Skyler being right next to him and giving him the assistance and the confidence to make those type of checks. And obviously it was a situation where the tight end basically ran a seam route. He widened out a little bit, didn't lose leverage on the safety, gave him a little bit of room to throw the ball, put it in a position where he can catch and run with it. Uh, Daniel did the rest, caught the ball well. Nice stiff form, got to the end zone. And so for us, I thought it was something that we had been looking for long-term from, from Daniel. It's like we saw it in the first game, right? We saw the, the talent there. We know the talent is there. It's just a, a fact of getting him involved into the game, being more consistent. And so I think that was confidence for him. It was confidence for the team. It was confidence for, for, uh, for Wheel. And it just put us in a position where we were ready to play uh, against Nevada. And we did see both quarterbacks. I mean, Jaron Lewis played uh, in the second quarter, which was predetermined. Kleiman said early in the week, I mean, he said it as far back as, as Sunday when they got in and met, that he decided like, hey, let's let's see Jaron. Um, we'll at least play him for a couple of series and then and then see how the game goes beyond that. They let the quarterbacks know very early in the week, um, which I do think is good. If you're going to go that route, that's probably what you need to do. Um, but even Will, after he got taken out of the game, came back in, still kept his poise, kept his calm, a guy that I think you wonder about where his head can be at sometimes – and did a great job of handling it. And I think that was really, really encouraging. We also got to see Jaron Lewis for the first time. That's a guy that's been in the program for three years from Columbia, Missouri, was going to go to North Dakota State before Kleiman took the job at K-State. We got to see him out there, and both guys handled themselves well. They weren't asked to do a ton. They didn't turn it over, though, which is right. the, the really big thing. What, what did you make of what we saw from, from both of those guys in the game? Well, I'm not a fan of the rotation, but it makes sense here, right? Because, you know, you've got Will going out there from last game, and you just don't know where his mind was going to be. And so if he started making some of those mistakes early on and consistently not putting us in a position to win, he was going to have to make that transition anyway. And so why not get Jaron some experience so he feels comfortable? And something as easy as just taking a snap in the game. Just getting out there and, and feeling comfortable. People take that for granted, but as soon as you fumble the ball, you know, he hasn't been out there. And so just giving him that exposure and that experience was smart. Now, ultimately, if Will's playing pretty consistent, I think we should lean lean on Will right now. And I think that's obviously what we did towards the end of the game. Um, but I understand this point of trying to get some experience within the organization because you just don't know what injuries and with, and with the way that uh, Will was playing last game, 
there was a strong possibility that he may have had to make a quarterback change. Yeah, and especially, I mean, as much as they run the quarterback, that, that's a huge part of what yeah. Will does when he's in there. He was even doing it for the last touchdown, you know, to go up by three scores late in the game. They're clearly going to run him a lot, and you're, you're going to run the risk then of getting down yeah. to your third quarterback. I mean, K-State fans remember Cody Cook, a converted wide receiver playing quarterback not all that long ago <laughs> in 2015. So, look, it can happen. So, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely understand the value in that. But it, it seems like moving forward, the idea is that that Will will be the guy. Um, clearly, they they like something about him more than what they had in Jaron Lewis because he came in a year later in the program and has been in front of him ever since. And I'll just say this. Um, you know, sometimes you have to kind of read between the lines, decipher what it is a coach is saying. And uh, Chris Kleiman was asked today at his press conference um, on Tuesday, I guess, depending on when you're watching this, at his press conference about like, hey, what's the plan going to be this week? Are you going to do the same thing? And he said, well, I haven't, haven't really thought about that. I haven't talked to, to Colin and, and Courtney Messingham about that. Colin Klein, of course, the quarterback's coach. And I thought, well, last week you said that determination was made on Sunday, like your first meetings. Now we're sitting here on Tuesday and you're saying you haven't talked about it. Uh, to me, that means it's probably going to be Will, and it's it's not the same situation as last week. But hey, yeah, and you know it's a conference game, and so you know every snap counts as it does in every game, but even more in the conference. And so I think we have to be very strategic about how we put you know other quarterbacks or other positions in there. I think the rotation may slow down a little bit. You'll start to see some steady guys going in there and making plays. We got to put our best guys on the field because now you're starting to get against consistent talent that already knows your strategy and how you play. And so that's the difference. You're not playing a non-conference schedule. Nevada, extremely talented, as we talked about, right? They've got a, a bona fide first rounder. Most likely they've got a Rubio, who's going to be a, a, a Romeo third rounder, fourth rounder as a receiver. They have talent there, obviously. But as you get into the Big 12, they know your game plan. They know your blueprint. And so now it's time for us to figure out, you know, can we match up with them athletically? And can we put our, our team in positions to where they can actually move the ball down the field? Yeah, and the interesting thing will be, Will K-State, especially until Skyler gets back, will they be able to survive games where they're only throwing the ball 13 times? Because that that was the case on Saturday. And Kleiman said today, hey, I, I know that we're going to have to throw the ball more than that. And I think that is likely. But, hey, I mean, it's not like Nevada didn't know what was coming. I mean, they knew what was coming. It was going to be Deuce. It was going to be Joe Irvin and just a lot of pounding the rock. And they still couldn't stop it. K-State rushed for almost 270 yards and almost six yards per carry. Um, it, it was very, very well done. And Deuce, I just I can't say enough about that guy. He's got five straight 100-yard games at this point. He was the fifth fastest in school history to hit 1,000 yards. And I, to me, one of the plays of the game, if not the play of the game, is Nevada has tied it up in the third quarter. It's 17-17. So you wonder about where everybody's head is at. Oh, no, is this going to be the same thing that happened last week against Southern Illinois? It's second and 10. K-State really needs something positive offensively. And it's just a little check down to Deuce in the flat. He has two guys right there about to tackle him for a two-yard gain. He splits them and takes off for 16, moves the chains, gets some momentum, loosens up the offense. They go down and score, and they don't look back and win by 21. It's just some of the plays that he makes like that on a regular basis, he just normalizes these spectacular plays that that, that is incredible. I mean, the guy is just an absolute stud. Yeah, Deuce is definitely hitting the stride, right, even just in year two. But I think he's obviously taking the team on his back, and he understands that we're going to ask him to carry the ball 20 and 25 times a game. And – you know what, when he gets stroked, he gets up and he just goes back at it again. And so I think he's got that extra acceleration that we need. He's got that game-breaking speed that you say, you know what, give him the ball. And he could go the distance uh, anytime that he touches it. He's also a coach's son, right? And so his dad coached back in the time. So so he understands the game. He, he's more than just an athletic running back, right? He's, he's strategic. 
He's quiet. He's productive. Like he's everything you want in a running back. And so what he's starting to do more than people see is he's starting to be a leader. And, and so his, his running back by committee is starting to follow his lead and they're playing well, right? Irvin is hitting the hole now. He's got speed that I'm waiting to see. I want to see him go 61 day. I want to see that top end speed because I can see it when he hits through that line of scrimmage. And even in that touchdown, I was like, oh, he can go. And so if we can just get more of those opportunities, get them short screens, get them in the open field, I think that will allow us not to have to pass the ball as much. And if we can get one-on-one on the outside, and yes, I expect uh, Brooks and, and company to, to uh, you know, take advantage of that man-to-man coverage. But if we can continue to run the ball and if Will can get us three and four a pop when he, when he does his quarterback run game and we can control the game, I think we can survive. Yeah, you're not you're not lying about the speed of Joe Irvin. In fact, uh, Deuce said after the game, like I'll, I'll give it to him. Joe is faster than me. He said I'm quicker, but Joe is faster than me. And you can see that man. He hits yeah. the hole hard and fast. He he is a good, talented running back. So K State really is pretty loaded there. I mean, one of the fan complaints I've seen this week is not getting Jacardier right uh, enough carries either as the third running back, who's obviously very talented too. So good problems right. to have. Good problems yeah. to have. Yeah, for the, for the defense, man. I mean. You said it, like locking down Carson Strong, picking him off, which doesn't happen often. He's an experienced, not just a good quarterback, but an experienced quarterback who doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. K-State got him. T. Denson, a young guy who I think is playing really well right now. Um, You did lose. Now, I will say this. This was a bit of news confirmed that we got today. Khalid Duke is going to be out for the year. Wow. That that's a loss. That's a tough one. That is a loss because he is I mean you talk about high ceiling guys on the defense, he's one of the highest. Um he would be up there and he was playing kind of a new position instead of being the hand in the ground defensive end, more of a stand up yeah. hybrid defensive end linebacker which was an important part of the defense, but man still, I mean you continue to see the pass rush be really good. Eli Huggins I thought played a really good game up front. We know about Felix and Udike, um, and and what he's been able to do. So it just felt like a continuation of what we've seen from the defense for the first two weeks. Yeah. So you know, here's the here's the benefit of a P5 program. It's next man up, right? And so we talk about depth. And so as good as Duke was playing and, and giving us pressure on the outside, you know, we've recruited well. You know, we've got to bring somebody in, and the next man's got to step up and continue to play. And so I think the defense will rally. Um, I was really intrigued by the secondary. I was really trying to pay attention to say, okay. They're playing against Carson Strong, some pretty top-notch receivers. How are they going to play, right? And so I saw that they, you know, they gave up a couple of passes uh, inside, gave up one deep down the middle. Perfect throw, right? And so I saw that Brent gave up the slant to the end zone. Nice NFL throw, right? It was it was a five-step slant. It was on time. It was targeted. And so what I think the defense is starting to learn is that, you know what, maybe we can pressure these guys a little bit. Maybe we can play a little bit closer. Until we see those quarterbacks start to throw over the top and perfect, I think we should get up there and use our size and our length. We have some big corners, um, very physical from a safety standpoint. And so I'm intrigued by what I see from the defensive uh, secondary so far. Well, and to, to that point, I don't know. I mean, in, in two weeks, you'll have Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma. Yeah. They've kind of sputtered so far. I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to see an offense that will be you, – you might. I probably shouldn't make that declarative statement about Oklahoma. But there may only be one offense left on the schedule that is – at the same level as Nevada as far as their talent throwing the ball. So to that end, I, I think you're right. Certainly this week with Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State, I mean, Spencer Sanders was sitting there in the third quarter of their game against Boise on Saturday <laughs> with 22 yards passing, was like uh, two of seven. Yep. I mean, that's not an offense that's throwing the ball very well at all right now. Yeah, you know, it actually surprised me. They have some really good receivers. I know Presley's from Tulsa. Presley's a really yeah. good receiver for Oklahoma State, and they just haven't found a way to get those guys involved yet. And so – Hopefully, 
our game is not the game they found a way to do that, but they definitely have some talent there at the receiver standpoint. But I think we just screwed up, right? You sit there and you play man, uh, let the front seven go at it, and you know they're going to run the ball, talking about Oklahoma State, right? They just had a, a great 200-yard game um, from their tailback, and so transfer from Utah State. And so, you know, he's new to the Big 12, and so it's up to us to introduce him to how that Big 12 football is. But for the most part, um, excited for what I see. Like I said, I'm starting to see a collective unit play together. I don't think there's one area that we just excel in uh, for Kansas State right now. I think overall, collectively, is together. I think if anything, it's a run game, right? And we talked about that running back by committee, right? When you, when you talk about having three guys that can go out there at any given moment and get you that first down, I think that's important. Um, we've got to stretch the field when need to, but for the most part, controlling the game, no turnovers, and handling the field position puts us in a successful position. Well, that's what will be very interesting. Both of these teams, I, I think, are similar in that they, they have yeah. good defenses. I mean, Oklahoma State – that's a perception breaker, but they're really the last couple of years. I mean, they've been as good or better defensively than they have been offensively for all the skill time. You know, you go back to like when Mason Rudolph left, it felt like there's been a real drop off over the last few years in their offense since James Washington and Mason Rudolph left. And now, I mean, they've got a strong defense. Now they've lost a couple of key contributors for the year. They found out about one of those Trey Sterling in the secondary here within the yeah. last couple of days, which is, it, that is big, but they still, they have a good defense. And I think, this will be the the real test here. K-State and Oklahoma State's defenses, I would imagine, are going to press, like you said. They're going to load the box. They're going to say, man, like, you're going to have to beat us with your arm. Like, both of these quarterbacks are extremely turnover-prone. Spencer Sanders, I mean, the guy is – he's a wild ride. I, I can't – you know, being a fan of him has to be very stressful, much like it can be with Will Howard at some time. So, that, that's what will tell the story of the game to me, like – which one of these offenses can either run the ball well enough to to not have to throw or who will break through and actually make some plays in the passing game? Well, you know, there, there's a game within a game, right? If you look at the coaching staff, you've got Coach Dickey over there for the offensive line. you got uh, Joe Bob Clemens on the defensive side of the ball. And so there's some tendencies they know about Kansas State in general. And so it's going to be interesting and, and exciting for us to see how we play against that because they're definitely going to start – putting some wrinkles into their offensive game plan that may hurt us defensively just based on what they've seen over the last couple of years. But if you think about one thing that Oklahoma State has is home field advantage. And I don't want anybody to ever under, underestimate that. And so it's going to be important for us to go out there. And we've played at AT&T Stadium. We've played two games at home, but we haven't played a true away game. Um, and so this is going to be a test for some of our guys to be able to handle that atmosphere as they get to banging that wooden paddle against yeah. uh, <laughs> against the, the the end of the border. It's going to be rowdy uh, in Stillwater. And so they always show up well, hard place to play, but I think we're up for the challenge right now. I'm glad you bring that up because that that to me is one of the scary parts of the game and, and probably a big part of why I think a lot of people looked at the line, the Vegas line came out right away and had Oklahoma State as a nine-point favorite. And you're like, whoa, okay, hold yeah. on. What? I mean, they – Oklahoma State got pretty fortunate to win that game against Boise. There was a fumble return for a touchdown that the whistle had blown, so the officials had to blow it dead. So they got the ball, but they didn't get the return TD, and then they had a field goal blocked. They would have had to go ahead and score if not for that. So, again, Oklahoma State gets pretty lucky, probably should have lost that game to Boise. They're nine-point favorites. But I would have to think a lot of that is Vegas looking at it and going, well, Will Howard, K-State's quarterback, has not played a true road game like this. I mean, obviously he played a number of games away from Manhattan last year, but not in the full capacity crowd. And he's going to what I think is arguably the toughest place to do it in the league 
which is a night game at Boom Pickett Stadium when it's rocking because they have great fans. It's typically yeah. full. They do the paddle thing. Like that, that's, <laughs> I've been everywhere. I've, I have been everywhere in the league. Um, I've been going on the road with the team since 2011, and I think it's right up there with Norman. I mean, Norman would be the other one if they're into it and it's a night game, full throw, like that competes. But it's like 1A, 1B really to me in terms of atmosphere. So how does – how does your quarterback now, who we know has some confidence issues, how does he handle that? Well, we've we've got to we've got to complete some balls to Brooks and Knowles, some short out routes. We've got to give them some type of safety valve. Like I said, you throw the out route to where the receiver goes out of bounds, but we've got to showcase that we can pass the ball a little. We can't sit there and just run up the middle. Um, that just won't work. Um, and so he's going to be challenged, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how he responds because honestly, I don't know. Um, like I said, we. Every game is different, right? And so I saw the long pass early on to the game uh, against against Nevada, and I said, okay, here we go. Um, but then you see some of the conservativeness in the play calling based on the skill sets. And so, therefore, it just depends on how it goes. But like you said, come 6 o'clock at night in Stillwater uh, in a tough stadium to play in, it's going to be difficult. And so he's going to have to rally around some of his guys. And so we're going to need some of those guys to step up and make plays that we know they can make consistently. Yeah, and here's here's one thing I'm interested for your perspective on because we heard a lot today from the players and Coach Kleiman about how they're they're pumping in crowd noise. Um, they even made a point to say like doing it well. They're in the huddle calling the play. He said sometimes when we've done that, we wait until they get to the line of scrimmage. It's like we got to do it when you're calling the play because even that can be hard. Um, I'm sure that Bill Snyder was doing things like that back in your day when you were playing. Yeah. Like how how close does that actually come to replicating what it is that you face? when you're out there in one of those environments? How easy is it to, to kind of get yourself acclimated to it if you're not used to it by using artificial things like that? It works, uh, but for the most part, you tune it out. Like you, you just got to focus, but you know there are certain moments in the game that are bigger than others. And so you've got to have that confidence within yourself to understand that, okay, I've got a five yard slant. He's playing inside leverage, what do I do? And so you've got to be able to communicate to the quarterback, switch it to a fade route, or you've got to figure out a way to get inside and run that slant. And so those are the moments where I've got to make sure that our team is comfortable. And so that's what you don't know, right? The last thing you could do is run a slant halfway and DB picks it. And so those are things that can happen just because the communication may not be there. They may not be comfortable. It's going to be a rough environment. It's just there's no way around this. And so, yes, the crowd noise, it helps. Um but you can still hear at practice, right? It's different when you're in a game because you've got somebody in front of you breathing down your neck, they're beating a the paddle, they're yelling, and in that moment, you've got to make a play. And so that's where you start to see the stars step up. And so do I expect Deuce to play well? Yes. I mean, you need your guys to play well. Do I expect the O-line to, to move them? Yes. That is this, and you lean on those special attributes. They're going to put Deuce um, and Irvin in positions where they can use their speed because Honestly, that's all we have to a certain degree, right? And you've got to put Knowles one-on-one, throw up ball, because he has the height and speed. You've got to use those things that work for you um, in order to get that additional first down because you're playing against a talented team. Are there any other tricks besides just the, the pumped-in crowd noise that Snyder would use for you guys to get you prepped for stuff like that? That was it. I mean, you heard it when you came out. It was just loud, and it was annoying, and it was just – it was irritating. And it was just uh, – and I don't know if it's a true repli replication of what the game is like, but it was something that you just heard. But eventually, it's like white noise. It just becomes like, okay. And you got to talk to yourself in the game anyway, right? You're coming out. All right, I've got a deep post. Uh-oh, there's two safeties. I got to get – you're talking to yourself, thinking about what do I have to do. The last thing you're thinking about is somebody yelling your name. You can't hear that anyway. Um, and so for the most part – 
I'm not so much worried about the crowd noise from a, a receiver running back standpoint. I'm worried about it from a quarterback standpoint when he's trying to audible um, and when he's trying to communicate to everybody. You can't hear the snap count. That's where you get off sides, five yards and a third and one. Now it's third and six. Now you got to change the play. Those are the situations that I'm more concerned about. And so we've got to figure out a way um, to make sure that we can communicate, whether it's hand signals or have two plays called at once, whatever it is. The players have to be comfortable that they know when they go to the line of scrimmage offensively what the play is going to be. Yeah, it, it'll be tricky. It'll be tricky. But it's a big opportunity because, you know, big picture, you start thinking about this. First of all, I mean, how fun would next week be the buildup to Oklahoma coming to town? If you're ranked 20th in the country, that's going to be one of the marquee games of the week. You, you get the first crack at being a, a, an engaged road crowd to get after the Sooners after they left for the Big 12. All that stuff. But even – you just start thinking about, hey, okay, I think, look, I went into the season expecting, like, I think this will be about an eight-win team. Uh, I think that's great. With what they've done so far, I mean, they've surpassed my expectations, so now I'm starting to think, okay, can they? Can this team take the next step? Can they threaten to make it to Arlington to the Big 12 championship game? And if you win a game like this, you're, you're starting to put yourself down that path. If you survive without Skylar Thompson for two weeks and he does come back next week against Oklahoma and you got wins with Will Howard over Nevada – and at Oklahoma State, like, boy, we're talking now. And the rest of the league, it was a fairly nice day for the league on Saturday. But, man, I mean, there's nobody standing out up at the top right now. Your, your two favorites, Iowa State and Oklahoma, have been very sluggish so far this year. Texas has lost a game and, and got thumped. So it feels wide open. It feels absolutely wide open in the league. So if you can win this game, you know, I don't want to put too much on just one week, but you could really – start to look down the road and say, this could be a special year if you can pull this off on Saturday. I think the confidence is there. Um, you know, being 3-0 and is something to be proud of. And so uh, looking forward to the guys playing well. Like I said, this is going to be the first time defensively for a lot of the players to play in a Big 12 um, conference game. And so excited to see uh, how Reggie plays, excited to see how, how Brent plays. Like those are some guys that haven't been in that environment and so I think they have that confidence that you need along with that swagger, um, you know, for Jay Mack and, and, and Yeast and all of those guys. Like, they've got to come out and put themselves in position um, to control the game. And so that defensively, along with the ability to run the ball, I think that's the biggest thing that we have in our favor is that we can run the ball with any running back. And I think that is something um, that gives us a chance because we can control the game, and that's something we should do. You know, one last question that I have for you that you just made me think of with the secondary. Julius Prince has been – it seems like he's been the guy that they're they're throwing at more. You know, we had Echo on last week and, and talked with him a little bit about that. He's really earned a lot of respect, I think, with what he's done over the last year and a half. And it seems like a lot of the time Julius Prince is, like, in position but just is not finding the ball or, or knocking it down. What, what are you seeing out of him right now as far as that's concerned? Well, he's, he's, he's a big guy, right? He's a 6'4", 205 corner, and so he, he's got a little bit of a long stride, and so he's definitely in position. And so I think it's just a matter of getting comfortable um, with the way that we're playing defense and what they're expecting of him. And so he's right there. He's, he's, he's always got his hand in the ball. He's not giving up the deep ball. He's just giving up the, the five yarders and the eight yarders. And so they're not game killers, but they do move the chains. And so I think consistently you'll start to see him get a little bit more comfortable. Um, once again, he's new to the defense, new to the team, new to the expectation. Um, and so, I, I, like I said, I'm proud he hasn't given up the deep ball. Actually, none of them really have given up the deep ball. They gave yeah. that one down the middle, but consistently they haven't given up some plays where you say, okay, we got a weak, weak link somewhere. And so um, I think we're okay on that end of it. 
Um, I think this game he'll get some more confidence as he's starting the game because, once again, Oklahoma State hasn't shown they can really throw the ball down the field. And so these are the games where you can start to use your size, right? I think we should see him press a little bit more. I think he can jam. I definitely think he can run with the guys until they put the ball perfectly uh, over the top. And so next week, uh, you know, after this Oklahoma State game, the OU game will be a little bit different because now you're you're getting around a bona fide passer who likes to sling the ball, four wide receivers at times. That's a different conversation, right? And we'll wait until that time comes around. But this game here, um, I'm expecting to see the secondary scoot up a little bit, not so much worry about the deep ball and play a little bit closer to the chains. Defense will be key, man. If, if the defense can create yeah. some turnovers, which should be there and, and ripe for the taking with Spencer Sanders, can really uh, flip the game on a dime. Well, again, it'll be an exciting one, 6 o'clock. You've got the long buildup on Saturday. It will be just on ESPN+, Plus, which is, I mean, a frustration in and of itself for the third straight week. But K-State players are motivated by that. I can tell you that much. We heard about that after the game. So uh, they'll be ready to go. And you should be ready to go, too, with your 360 Vodka stock up uh, with 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery. Get ready to go and ready to roll for the 6 o'clock kickoff between K-State and Oklahoma State. Aaron, any last words before we uh, sign off for the week? Well, we keep talking about this ESPN Plus uh, that they're putting us on, but you know what? It, it's, a, it's a conference game. It's a night game. Uh, you're playing in a different stadium. It's time to show up. I'm so excited to see what the guys can do and definitely be rooting them on. Whew, I'm excited too, man. It's getting fun. It's getting fun. And this team is playing really, really well right now. So Excited for it on Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast once again. We'll be back at you next week with reaction to Oklahoma State and uh, looking forward to the Oklahoma Sooners coming to town. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.